Hi, it's Ella, um, and this episode of Feeling Griefy is a bit of a spontaneous one, but kind of off the back of quite an intense January and kind of Christmas period that I felt would be good to talk about and discuss, and it's actually been really helpful. Um, and I know I don't pay Patrick as my therapist, but I've been having this conversation because I knew we were going to record, and I said, oh, can we, you know, I think there's lots I want to talk about related to dog, my dogs, um, um, related to just the fact that the anniversary of when my mum died is coming up how Christmas was a bit harder than I imagined and um, I was yeah looking forward to having the chance to kind of dissect and go through it all because <clears throat> I think there's a lot of things that I'm still figuring out now but it's been helpful to just discuss and remind myself that it's okay that you know it's been a bit of a sad funny month um, so, so anyway I'm sidetracking but with this episode's kind of touching on a lot of those things and just the kind of messy January that has been and the unexpected start of your year and how it's all played out and how that's interacted with your grief yes exactly um just a small piece of housekeeping yes um my mum who is friendly with yourself (laughs) um would she her feedback on the Christmas episode yeah was that it was quite jarring when we were talking about father christmas and revealing the secrets oh and i didn't think that would come up in this episode and then it did and you uh, blurted things out again yes trigger warning we talk about father christmas so don't listen to this episode if you're under 12 (laughs) thanks kids (laughs) that under 12 audience (laughs) oh you never know you never know lots of people everyone believes yeah yeah. i'm so sorry sarah tell your mum i'm sorry i I do feel bad because my mum would have been really heightened to that yeah so yes well done for mentioning that um but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot in here but it's all kind of about your first month of the year and i think it's a really important chat i'm really glad we had it so this is the podcast great intro thanks tell me about your january my january um so well to tell you about my january i need to tell you about the end of my december oh yeah so the last time we spoke here um because we do sometimes speak socially um you were sort of anticipating what christmas would be like a bit of a different christmas and how your grief would interact with that yes and how was christmas so (laughs) it's funny thinking back to the episode we recorded because i think i was probably a lot more optimistic about christmas and quite naive um because i actually found christmas really quite hard and it's funny i think i have a thing about admitting that or because i think so often my mentality is it's fine like you know keep calm carry on yeah or or you know it's not all there's good parts and stuff and actually if I'm being honest with myself I found it really hard and there were a number of reasons for that I mean firstly normally we're with my grandparents in Wales and and Christmas is over a period of say five days it feels like because we go there and we're in the countryside and so Christmas day is part of many other wonderful days of being with family and so it was weird being in Brighton where you live your normal life and then suddenly the 25th comes around and you're like it's Christmas um, and you're kind of walking along the beach and as you would do on another day not Christmas and and, and it just felt really really weird but um, a big part of that was when, when I got home um, so I've got two dogs um, Max and Melka um, and Max um, I'm basically going to spoil it because I'm going to have to talk in past tense about both 
Yeah, when you said I've got them. two dogs, I, I know. Thought, I was Does like, she not realised. No, I know. Well, this is again like a, a, you know, it's like when a pet, you know, when Mum died, and I'd be like, what language do you use? Because I think that's a really uncomfortable thing that yeah. that that feels wrong to do. But anyway, so Max um, was our oldest dog, and he was he's was. 14 and a half I'm tripping over myself telling the story but anyway in at the time I went back he was alive and um and we got I got back for Christmas and he just was in a really weird way like he was sitting in really weird positions around the house dad had said he hadn't been eating like he only would eat chicken breast from our hands um he just you know when just a dog just does not see themselves like and it was really distressing and I think it is just really distressing seeing an animal that you love and you know we've grown up with Max just not being well um and so I got back I think on the 22nd and I was like to dad I was like I think we need to take him to the vet um and dad you know quite rightly said Ella you know he's been deteriorating for a few weeks now he's been sometimes he'd go sit in the garden um when it was freezing and just sit there for like an hour until dad brought him back in and I was thinking well no it could be an infection I was saying dad you know geriatrics is actually a thing if this is your approach to old dogs I'm gonna make this my approach to you um so I managed to just say to dad, I managed to convince dad and I think dad maybe partly because dad knew what the vet would say and yeah. and it was you know it was Christmas so it was like you know we can't do it on Christmas day when are we going to take him but anyway we got an appointment on Christmas Eve um and this whole time I've been waking up in the morning like being like, I'm gonna make him rice and chicken and trying to really coax him on walks up the road and I go oh you know he wagged his tail when he saw this dog um and it, oh he was able to still wee on his full you know he can wee and he's not pissing himself. Trying to make you in your head be like, he's not that bad. Um, and anyway, we took him to the vet and she was very, very kind vet and, and like gave him proper examination and like listened to his lungs and felt his body and he'd lost some weight. And, and basically um, very gently said that the way he's breathing shows, you know, his lungs aren't working properly and given his age and maybe there is something sinister happening, but he's quite old. And so I said, because I was like, you know, is there any painkillers been given? And she was like, you can give him painkillers or steroids. And, you know, that might perk him up a little bit. And I said, oh, great. Like, we could see how he is in a few months. And then she said, I'm really sorry, but I think we're talking weeks. Oh. And then that's when I started crying. So I think it's the truth that you think, you know, you know you're know, you kind of expecting to hear. And it was funny because all these parallels with when my mum was dying. And I, you make all these kind of negotiations in your head. Or you make the, this story up in your head of like, it's not that bad. Or you, you're trying to find... Your, your way of viewing things isn't the, the truth, an objective way. You're, you're being really skewed because you don't want to believe what the possibility could be. So you kind of pick up on really small things and you're like, oh, well, he wagged his tail and he's walking still, even if he's, you know, walking quite arthritically, if that's a word. Um, so anyway, that was really sad. So me and dad kind of left the vet. Like dad tried really hard not to cry in the vets because I was crying. And we both like were crying outside the vets. And, um, and I think that just meant that there was just this really emotional undertone to Christmas because that was like a massive cry on Christmas Eve. That's on Christmas Eve. That's on Christmas Eve. Um, and then I went to have a haircut that evening. This is so relevant, but it was like the worst haircut of my life. <laughs> that I was just... meant to be my treat. Who has a haircut on Christmas Eve? Well, because I'd had a bad haircut two months before and I thought, oh, this would be a nice treat just to feel, you know, sometimes like if you're feeling not 100%, it wasn't a very expensive haircut I'd found in Brighton. Um, lovely woman who cut my hair. Um, sorry, this is such a side track, but I thought, you know, that's a nice, then my hair, you know, you'll sometimes, I don't know whether you feel the same if your hair's looking good, you feel good. <laughs> Well, I find, you know, if you've had nice hair, like blow dry, it just, it helps you feel good. And I know that's a, when you're feeling a bit emotional and stuff, that's something you can try and, I find it helps to, you know, hold on to, um, that you know might make you feel a bit better. Anyway, that's a sidetrack. 
but that, that, that wasn't the reason I was emotional. But it it means I've still got a rubbish haircut now. That's one that not true. Well, my the top part of my hair is in a bun, so you can't see the damage. But anyway, so anyway, Christmas then had this like emotional undertone because we were looking at Max and we got given some painkillers to give him, but he just wasn't having any of it. Like I'd crush them up, cut them into small pieces, and he just was so like given this, what fact his body was breaking down, his taste buds were just supremely good at detecting any taste of paracetamol and codeine so that was hard because we knew he wasn't having any painkillers but it just you know he just was yeah just sat in weird places so that was really um sad to see and also in at christmas we said we had my dad's side of the family down which was so lovely to see them but we were all um kind of the house was full so i was sharing i was sleeping on tom on a mattress on my brother tom's floor which is quite sweet like we had some nice you know late night chats um like when we used to share our bedroom years ago but it meant that then there was no space and i know when i'm feeling you know when there's lots going on a bit of personal space yeah just, which you just didn't have no so you kind of were in just like an overdrive and you're hosting and i think i think also then when it was christmas day when my brother williams um in australia so he wasn't there um ned so we had our um uh stockings and um so we do this new thing now um where each of us kind of put um a few things in because mum used to do all of them it was quite stressful and it was kind of a big cause of stress for me in the years after mum died because I wanted to always keep it the same and so we now do it where each of us um will buy a few gifts and put them in the stocking anyway Ned was in charge of of delivering said stockings or kind of doing the final adding of his gifts and he's like you know, last minutely wrapping up all this one pound gifts in one pound store I think what did he give me that was I just got loads of no little marzipan <laughs> which I don't like marzipan anyway um anyway so but then Ned basically mixed all the presents up so we like get down to dad's bed and I'm like dad's pulling out a present I'm like no that's for Tom like Tom's pulling one out and like that's for me so it was kind of funny but it was it just felt really you know you're going you're doing this thing that you've done for years and years and years and it just isn't feeling exactly the same and I think also because we weren't in Wales where we normally are and I think also I mean I I went on a run on Christmas morning and that helped but I just felt like crying like you know you just wake up and and it just didn't feel, you know, and I know there's that pressure where you think, oh, is it going to feel like Christmas? But I just didn't feel Christmassy. And I didn't feel, and I know that then, you know, Max being ill was contributing to it. And you've had no time to even process the fact that your dog's dying. And we're that, you know, we're having to pause conversations about when do we put him down? Because we're like, it's Christmas Day. We you couldn't can't tell talk William. You Exactly. So I think that was just the undertone. And there were like lovely, lovely fun moments on Christmas Day where we'd all play games and like, you know, have a glass of um, champagne in the sitting room and like open a present. And that was really lovely. But I actually found the actual day like, yeah, it was lo- it's not to say it, it was lovely seeing family, but it just was hard. And, and I felt really like when I left to then go to Devon to spend the year with Henry, I just felt really drained and just really depleted of energy. And, um, and was your trip to Devon... Did you did you just flop or was it like did you just get there and you were like oh I've had enough for 2022 I need to you know I kind of felt this is such a bad analogy but like you've gone no this is such a bad analogy I want to hear it like gone well this isn't even an analogy this is a really rubbish sim- simile or metaphor where you like gone through the war like no, that's such a bad where that's such where you Which war? no that's so bad it is such a, like you can't compare it's like where you've gone through uh, whoa there's a way of saying it. You've been through the wars. That's a phrase. yes. That's the that's the phrase. Yeah, not to say that I. So you were on the other side. So it was on the other side. Yeah. So so being just like where you've been in a you know how where there was lots going on, lots of you know emotion. Suddenly it's like busyness, and then suddenly it was like quiet. And I was getting the train across, and it was the day before with all between strikes and stuff. And um, 
um, I was messaging Henry and I was saying, I think I'm either just going to be really pissed off at you when I get there. Because I think sometimes, you know, when you've got a lot of energy and you're ready to, to crash. Like I'm, I was ready. Yeah. I, I was like, I know I haven't had a chance for a cry. I know I, I, I've got all of this in me. And I felt a bit, I think what happens, I felt just quite detached from myself and a bit, everything was a bit numbed. Like I, everything felt but just because I hadn't checked it, yeah, I hadn't checked in with myself. And so I, I felt a bit like in a daze on the train there. And um, so I said to Henry, I was like, either I'm going to like have a massive cry or I'm going to um, just be pissed off, at, like pissed off at you and then have a cry. I don't and he's know. thinking, great, glad I invited <laughs> Stephanie. <Yes. laughs> but then what was good, then we got there and it was so lovely because his sister was there with her family. And so it was all very busy and it felt, and then I was able to find pockets of, of relaxation where I could just go sit in the sitting room quietly and read um but we just did lots of lovely walks and I think it was just a process of just like had quiet days where I think you, you know when you're just not feeling your 100% best self mm. but you're kind of getting there again and it was just was quiet and I was like I know I'm just I'm it's having to make space for that transition period of, of going okay I've felt this emotion I, I need to get my head around it I'm not feeling sparkly I'm not feeling you know my 100% best self um but that's why it was wonderful to be in, in Devon so we could just do long walks and stuff and, and have some yeah, nice escape. cooking. And yeah, an escape. So I think that was a really, really great like reboot time. Long answer to well, your... Well, the <laughs> elephant in the room is that we're still talking about your dog oh, in yeah, the past tense. <laughs> so, yeah. currently he's yeah. still alive. So, yeah, in the story he's still alive. So anyway, yeah, so I get to Devon as well and like, I just can't stop crying every time I mention Max because I just, the idea of him not being there is just yeah. devastating. And um, and that's where dad's kind of broaching conversations of what day do we do it on? And it feels so wrong. It's like you're almost giving a dog an execution date to go, could it be this day? Or, or oh no, I've got to go to London on this day, so it can't be that day. And it just feels such a weird thing to do, even though it is so wonderful to be able to stop your dog getting to the point where they're like pissing themselves, can't get up. But you're kind of, it's weird trying to make a judgment. Um, So that was just really kind of heart-wrenching. And I, and I went, did I go back? I don't think I went back home actually afterwards. I think I, I said goodbye to Max when I left for Devon because I was like, I don't think I'm going to be coming home. I'd spent all Christmas looking after him. Um, and so then the day was decided. Um, I got back to London. The day was decided. It's going to be Friday the 13th. A bit of a summer day. But wow. then on the Monday, then I planned to be at home that day and I was kind of doing my classic planning for grief. I was like, I know I'm going to be really emotional. I'm going to make sure I'm at home, not in the office. But then on the Monday, I was at the office and dad and, and my brother Tom were at home and they were like his breathing's changed like he, something shifted um and so then they were calling the vet and the date was brought to thursday then it was brought to tuesday and then dad was like we've got an appointment today it's like 1 30 um today max is going in to the vets and i i'd like booked it booked pilates class like literally over that time and it, they charge you money if you cancel last minute so i just felt really you know and just not prepared at all um and I was in the office and I just was like, you know, all the, you just want to like cry. And mm. like, and dad was sending these photos of, you know, Max has been coming out of the house because they, you, when the vet, they take you down a side route, dad said. And um, so the dog doesn't know, so Max wouldn't know he's at the vet's because, um, and they have a little side room and a little, little garden patio. And dad went with Max and, but he was kind of letting us know along the way what was happening. And it was just so heartbreaking. And then he sent a lovely message being like, you know, they give you a set of, Max a sedative and he didn't want to go inside so Max stayed outside and dad just sat with him and and it was all very quick and 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 he was very comfortable and but it just I couldn't so and then I was having my lunch and like shut myself into a side room in the office and just was crying and I was and then I can't I managed to I like I cancelled some meetings but it was funny because I was having to override because I think I'm so practiced in just compartmentalizing yeah getting on with things 
that I, I had a few things like later that day and even the next day. And I was like, well, I could do them. Like I could, you know, go see this person. But I was like, I don't, I don't want, like, I know it was like my rational mind having to, it's funny, I don't know how to explain it, that my emotional mind is, was being so controlled that I had to use my, ra- with, with my rational mind. And I had to use my rational mind to say, no, I need to actually let myself feel these things because, and not be too controlled about yeah. it. So I, you know, canceled some meetings. And even then, you know, everyone's obviously so understanding. And I was there being like, is it, you know, cause for canceling meetings? Like, how should you react when your dog dies? Um, and just felt drained. So also being in the office just means you're not really in your own space. And I kind of went home. And, and then I just had a really sad week. Yeah. And I, I booked facial the next day. I had a very quiet day. And actually... Then the following day I was at home and my laptop charger broke, which meant I couldn't use my laptop, <laughs> which was quite a good timing. because I think it was good. Then I actually just had the afternoon off because I couldn't do any work. Um, and I just kind of lent into the, um, lent into the, the feeling of sadness. And I, and I started writing the, um, the following day, like went to a cafe and started writing some stuff about Max and just reminiscing about him. And yeah, I, I was really taken aback by how sad I was about it and how devastating it was to lose Max. Do you think that you would have told yourself before you knew that he was going to die? Do you think you would have said, oh, well, because of everything I've been through, if Max ever dies, I'll be fine? Yeah. Do you think that's what you would have thought before? Yeah, for sure. Like, I found it really confusing about what the appropriate reaction was for losing a dog. It- do you think maybe because you're so in touch with grief and you're so accustomed to it that maybe your reaction was more dramatic than it might have been had you, you know, had someone else lost their dog. I Obviously, everyone has a different relationship mm. with their dogs, but yeah. Being more dramatic yeah. because of it. Um, I think that... I think I just felt really... I was overthinking my grief. Or I was, I was in a way that just isn't a good way of doing it. That actually, when something really sad happens, like your dog, your family dog dies... There's something, and I think maybe I'm envious of of that ability. And maybe that's something, you know, because since mum's died, that I don't know whether it's something I've lost to a certain degree, but just to like let the emotion flow. Yeah. Just to be really overcome by it. And I, and, you know, there are instances in which I am when I'm thinking about mum, but I, I'm so self-preserved, you know, I can, I've got the tools and that toolbox of grief to maybe anticipate or let myself feel it and I still can you know lean in and have big cries and stuff but it doesn't over sometimes there's something about when something overwhelms you and you just feel so taken and caught up in the feeling and that's quite refreshing because you can't do anything but lean into it yeah and I was kind of toing and froing between that where I I wanted to but I but it was almost that I just was my ability to to withstand that grief almost wasn't letting me um and I was, yeah, I was overthinking it. And I and it's really bad because it's not like I was going, oh, I'm black belt grief. And this is like yeah. blue belt because it's not at all. And I think I had some really interesting reflections on how you don't just put, you know, someone into a machine or an animal or anything and go, how much grief is that going to give me? What is that going to look like? Because that's not how grief works. And I know that's not how grief works. And I've, you know, spoken about it. I've written about it. But I found myself being like, well, yeah, what, how should I be feeling? And that's exactly what you shouldn't be thinking. Like, yeah. I should have just, you know, let myself have those emotions and I feel like even now and I mean I'll get onto onto it I just haven't had enough time to like properly mourn so I'm gonna cry and also this is good I'm crying because I thought I was gonna get here and be really detached on my feelings because I've been feeling like yeah. I've been in survival mode for January this is good <laughs> this is feelings fair <laughs> this is yeah. but I feel I haven't had and I haven't given myself that time to really mourn the loss of Max 
two of the dog of our dog stories. So anyway, that was Max, and 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 I had that week, and 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 I was yeah trying to grapple with how I was feeling what I was letting myself feel and all this while so all the while since Max um was deteriorating over Christmas all into January our other dog Melka had had a limp and it had been a limp that in, in end of November December had been on one of her back legs and then it it seemed to get better the vet thought it could be a torn ligament but we kept her on kind of house rest and not up the stairs and it seemed to get better and then her front leg started to be like mm. limpy and we were really confused. And so we went and she had tests and it was not rheumatoid, the equivalent of arthritis in dogs. It wasn't this other thing they thought it could be. Because it was confusing that it was from two legs, like one to leg, one to the other. Hadn't been from an injury. Um, and I, two weeks ago, had to go back home to Brighton to, um, <laughs> irrelevant, but died to get in the carpet stand in my bedroom. So I had to clear my nice. room. <laughs> so I had to go and do a big clear of my room. Which, as an aside, was also quite emotional going through loads of stuff from like years ago. So that add that out onto a little sprinkling of grief for January. And I got back home and I was going to take Melka to the specialist orthopedic vet um, appointment because she this limp had got worse. Um, her, her, her leg was just so lame. And as soon as I got home and I just saw Melka just like curled up in her bed looking so sorry for herself. And I hadn't realized her leg was just so painful. Like as soon as I went near it, it was just like she was crying. And that was, and so I just burst into tears when I got home. And I was already feeling really emotional from you know max and i think january and christmas i still went and process and i kind of come in and see melka and i was like oh my god another pet that's just really distressed so i went into kind of okay i'll buy her chicken um your solution is always chicken they just love chicken breast chicken breast is also quite expensive but actually melka so max was only eating chicken breast because he was really nauseous so anything fishy was just like not on whereas actually melka was open to cheaper alternatives um But anyway, I started, she wasn't eating her food and we thought, well, then maybe that's because she's grieving Max and she was being really lethargic. And we were like, she's gone from always having a dog with her to not a dog at all. So for that weekend, I was trying to get her up the road, even a little bit. She was only walking on three legs to give her a change of scene. I was trying to give her, make sure she was eating. And, and she had some, of Ma- we had some of Max's old painkillers that Max hadn't eaten. So I was trying to give them to her and that seemed to help a bit with the pain. But then take her to this vet appointment on the Monday and was so naive in the appointment. I kind of go there as a, spe- you know, double appointment with the specialist orthopedic vet thinking I was like god there's something mysterious going on um you know these symptoms it's so random all these things and is this the same vet as before no so we'd seen other vets and this was like the specialist one for orthopedic stuff fine um and so I go there and I'm sat- is it, it's not the same place it's the same place yes so there's an emotional attachment to yeah <laughs> you yeah. know the last time I came yeah, yeah. I the was, last time yeah. I was yeah last time I was max and then we, um, I go in and it's just me because dad's traveling and my brother's uh, in London and um, I'm explaining her symptoms. I'm like, yeah, it's so weird. Like it's not from an injury because she's been, you know, carefully at home because we were thought her, she had a torn ligament. I was like, a weird lump's grown on her elbow, but I was Googling and I think it's this thing that happens when you're, um, you're you know, you're, as a dog, you're lying down too much. I was like, it's incredibly painful. She's being really lethargic. She's not eating her food. And obviously he's listening. And like, if you think about he the symptoms exactly for like, yeah, if you think about the symptoms for cancer and dogs, it's literally everything that I'm saying. Yeah. And I was there like, thinking in my head, thinking it's so good. We've got the specialist. He's gonna, you know, do the mystery detective work. And then he really listens and he goes around to try and have a feel of her leg and she's having none of it because it's so painful. And then he like looks really somber and he's like, I'm really sorry, but it, I think it's quite, it could well be quite bad news. And then I was like, you know, and just like completely flawed as we started talking about and bone you on cancer. Your own at this point or is... I was on my own in the vet appointment. Right. And so then, then I obviously started crying and I was just so shocked. Like, and you know, it's just so obvious looking back. 
because I think also in your head, and I don't know whether there's this weird thing that, and I sometimes feel that, well, and this is such a bad thing to think because it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. But then when one, when one bad thing's happened to your family recently, you're like, well, you know, the universe isn't going to make another bad thing happen so soon yeah. after. And maybe that's bad. Like, I sometimes feel that about the fact mum's died. I'm like, well, you know, for the time being, if my brother died or my me. dad died, that would be all, like, what universe would decide that? Which is not the way it happens. But it's weird protectiveness feeling yeah. probably like a weird psychological thing you do to make yourself feel a bit safe so i was thinking about that in terms of milk but i think also that sorry to cut off but we've spoken before about like when your mum died and then other things happened you're like well that's happened now yeah like like you were saying in the relationships episode about um you know when your relationship ended you were like well i've had the, my heartbreak and it's the same thing. It's like, well, Max died. So my dog's died. I've, I've dealt with that now. Yeah. Well, you haven't dealt with it, clearly. But like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like you, you you don't need to happen again. It's not. Yes. Gonna happen. Why would it happen again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're completely flawed. Because also you're like in the order of things. Like if someone was writing a book, like they wouldn't Ooh. put two dogs that were going to die. That's a random plot twist. Yeah, like that doesn't happen. And so anyway, when he said this, I was just completely shocked. And he was like, what we'll need to do is you know, get an x-ray and stuff to confirm this. Um, so then she was booked on the Wednesday, but he was very much, and he was being really, and I was really appreciative of his openness and upfrontness about it all. Yeah. Saying it. And I said to him, I was like, I was like, thank you. Cause I appreciate it. It's quite a, cause I'd mentioned about how mama died. Well, it, it came into conversation. And also I mentioned about how Max had died. So I was like, that's quite a hard thing to say to someone. <laughs> Do you know what? That poor vet, when he woke up that morning. <laughs> He didn't quite think that's what he was going into. Oh yeah, I just weigh a couple of kittens and stuff. No, no. Okay, I'm gonna have. So I a was like, classic female. Okay, thank you so much, Beth. Like even though I'm like, wow, like what's this news? So then I go home and luckily Tom, my brother, was getting back from London. So we um <laughs> again irrelevant information that Frank and Manka was doing a five pound pizza monday deals so we, went good. To, we went to frank and Manka, which is actually really nice and it was nice going with Tom because even though I felt so anyway between that going out the for one dinner, by the library. Yeah, the one by the. Yeah, the one by the library. Oh, nice. um, and I, anyway, got home from taking Melka and then I just had the most massive cry I've had in ages. I was like, it was like, you know, panic level cry where you just, I couldn't stop sobbing. I just, yeah. and I couldn't tell what my feelings were. They were like all over the place. And I just, I think because I'd already come home and I was, you know, when you'd go through old belongings and stuff, feeling so nostalgic. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I just, and so I was so tired by the evening. My like eyes, yeah, because I haven't had a cry like that in ages. And maybe it was good. It was like a good release of emotion for Max for you know the Christmas stuff and just being just so upset. Um, and so anyway, when I went to meet Tom, luckily when you go for dinner with a sibling, you don't really need to chat very much. Like yeah. if you're, <laughs> it's very relaxed dinner. So we were there more for the pizza. And actually, Dad, I was I was messaging and voice noting Dad all the while, like to let him know what was happening. And he called, so I was able to tell him with like Tom at dinner. And it was really nice that Tom was then there and Tom was able to then spend like work from home for the rest of the week. Um, Because we just were like keeping an eye, when we had it confirmed on Wednesday, I actually didn't cry as much on Wednesday because I think I'd already kind of, I just was like, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, And and then there was the horrible chat um, of, again, like when do you put a dog down? Because she was in so much pain. Cancer, when you've got bone cancer in a dog, like it just comes back. Amputation wasn't an option um there's just not it's just it it's the only way is to, is to put a dog down and the vet was very upfront about how you know animals are so mindful that for melka she has no idea or concept of the future and it was quite helpful thinking it wasn't like melka's got her career plans and wants to have kids and stuff and you're thinking so sad it's more for our benefit that you're like can we keep this dog alive yeah so you're really having to try and override that natural reaction thinking oh no but we love her and, and it was hard in a way because melka was so 
seems she was nine and a half so she wasn't a puppy but she had such puppy energy and and max had because he was such an old man he you could he was just an old man it's something his personality was a bit more old manny whereas mm. melka just had her, her personality she was it was still quieter because she was in pain and and not comfortable but it was harder to get your head around she seemed more youthful um and i had to call william my brother in australia and he'd kind of said goodbye to max before he'd left and just was completely taken aback with Melka and wasn't expecting that so he was sobbing and obviously because he just wasn't yeah just he wouldn't it's a loss yeah and it's I know when I come back from Australia it's something's not going to be there and he hadn't seen the decline of Melka and I think we'd been really oblivious to it because we'd been focused on Max we hadn't realized how her leg just had got worse and worse and worse it would be completely lame by the end it's like completely swollen up um so anyway, then we decided to do it for the following Thursday. So this was actually last Thursday that we um, took as we put down. And she had like the most amazing last week where Tom slept on the sofa with her every evening. We were so on it with her painkillers. She literally ate like a queen. Dad went to the shops and got like bacon, chicken. lamb chops, chicken. Oh, Tom would go buy fridge raiders. He'd come home and be like, Melky. Like he got a chicken sandwich for himself and then fridge raiders for Melka. So she just had the most wonderful last week. And Ned, my brother, youngest brother, came down from Bristol. So we were all there together. And, and Melka was a dog who just loved attention and love and affection and and so max was the kind of dog that you know he'd he he was more he he didn't like being the center of attention he'd just walk into a room and my brothers used to clap and be like max max and he just walked straight out again whereas like you do that for melka and she'd just be crying and like wagging her tail and so she loved being around people um and so it was so lovely to be able to give her that for that last week um but anyway then i sorry this is a long story about the dogs Um, and then I went with dad to put her down, um, which was anxiety inducing, but also in a way easier I found to get in the car with her because Tom had to say goodbye when she was being put in the car. Yeah. And that just was so sad. And then I like, we went and she had her like head on my lap and they, you know, give him some sedation and then there, that's hard in its own reasons. And it just was, yeah. And even now I feel like I haven't done any processing and if, cause it's just happened so quickly. Um, and I think I'll find it really weird when I go home again and we've got no dogs because it's like part of your identity as a family. If we were this chaotic family of six with two dogs and you know dog hair and dad reminding us we needed to um, brush the dogs because the dog hair was going everywhere. And you know the mo- your morning and evening routines are so taken up with your dogs because you wake up and you know Melka used to cry like she'd chat to us when she wanted breakfast and we'd have to be like Melka be polite. She'd just be like kind of going oh <laughs> I'm not doing the right impression of her. But she was such a you know a, a presence. Yeah. And then you'd have the evening where you mainly take the dogs out for a wee. And so your whole, for like, you know, 40, over 14 years, that's just been the routine of home. And so it was so weird when me and dad got back and we took, we still got their leads hung on our wall at home. And I think we'll always will have them there. And dad immediately, I think his energy went into just like clearing the house. He like took the dog beds. We had all these like random sofa pillows and, and got rid of them and the dog, removed the dog bowls. Cause it just was so weird. And I think all of us were just so drained of energy. Um, and we just had a lovely last evening and then I went back to London and dad was on a work trip. So in a way it was nice because we weren't at home. I think it would be really hard if we were all at home without the dogs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it feels like, I feel like I'm already in my head's in a jumble of like what January's been like anyway. And I feel like Melka dying's almost robbed me of my experience of mourning Max. Yeah. And then because I, you know, it's all happened, I feel like I haven't had a chance to properly mourn Melka. Like I'd started writing about Max and really, we know we'd all share our photos of him. And I and I feel, find it so painful. Like I was going to change the background of my phone to this lovely photo we've got of Max and Melka. And I just can't because it's just so sad um, looking at them. Yeah. Like, and it, yeah, it's just so, so sad. Um, and I think I just haven't had a chance to like properly lean into it. And I think because it's not like the grief of, a, you know, obviously it's not. And I can't, you can't compare griefs, but it's not like with a parent 
where it's too much like with mum dying it was too much for a body to take you know the loss of a loved one that close you like your response well my response was just you're numb you're detached yeah. you can't actually process what's happened because it's a trauma yeah whereas like with the dogs dying i can i i, I know like those feelings aren't scary for me it's more i have just I haven't given myself the time like i can feel them and access those feelings and i want to but then like you know life is just happening it's just this weird other experience of it and and again you go around you're like it's just dogs even though i'm like it's not just dogs you know it's what they represent you love them as family members and i think and and so often as well with grief i think that there's always that monopoly where people think oh it's not death like oh it's not death de- like death of a parent or a, a child or a you know, really close loved one is like top that's when you know that's the hierarchy of grief and so it's been really interesting to see and be reminded of that it doesn't matter what your you know grief is still a feeling that's really sad yeah. and hard to access and comprehend and so because obviously you know there's always these stories where people say oh when i was talking about my parent that died someone said oh well, my cat died and it's like how dare they compare and it's like obviously there's you know you're not gonna you shouldn't <laughs> compare as openly but there are obviously threads of grief that cross over with other griefs and yeah. i think we're too afraid to draw those links because it's almost going like oh but it's you're trying to compare the person it's like no i'm not comparing max with my mom or Melkin. you're comparing the emotion i'm comparing the emotion i'm comparing the emotional experience and that's okay like and it's not that you're I found that you know having had mum die that my grief abilities are or my the grief nothing grief any grief pales in significance it's more that my tools for grieving are, are quite great are stronger like, are strong but the grief itself is still painful and sad and this kind of taps into what I was saying earlier but because you're so adept at leaning into those emotions when you can or when you need to or when you want to yeah that actually that toolkit that you just described is definitely there yeah. for for this situation where you're going, hang on, there's a loss in my life and I'm overwhelmed by it. And suddenly everything in your head's going, well, I know how I normally deal with yeah. that. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And it, it's it's definitely comparable. No, but it's also so true because I'm, I'm almost like, I know how to prepare for it, but in a way that's preparing for the most like intense lifelong grief ever yeah. so my 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 approach you know when mum died for the first few months I was completely numb I was detached and even now you have to the reality of not having a parent here is too great to fully always be aware of it's a reality that occasionally I, I'm fully aware of and in those moments it is incredibly painful but most of the time it's kind of on the periphery of my of my day-to-day of just like because I can't live if you lived every single day knowing full well that your parent was there and you're never going to see them again I, w- I wouldn't be able to you know function so you, yeah. you have to almost my coping at least is that it shifts slightly and then suddenly in occasions it's so aligned and that truth is aligned with how I'm feeling and I have the most visceral raw cries ever and and it kind of feels it's so it's like the most disgustingly nauseating feeling ever to feel that feeling. Cause I think it's the enormity of like, it's forever. Yeah. And then it passes. Whereas it's, you know, with, with Max and Melka, it's not as intense as that, but my, yeah, my, my, my preparedness with it is as if it's like, I'm going into war, I'm going into battle. I've got to limit this, this and this. And it's like, I just want to, you know, just cry about my dogs and not have all these, you know, in the background, my, Ooh, compartmentalize or tool for this. And it's like, I just want to be free flowing. And, and maybe I'm almost, maybe, it's it's brought up this feeling that I'm I'm sad I didn't get a gr- get to grief for them as organically yeah. because my first experience of grief has been so intense that I've been taken away from just having this organic I don't have to think about whether I'm doing too much or too little you know that experience maybe that's what I'm, I'm it's a reminder that an offshoot of grieving mum is that it's now tainted yeah my experience of grieving other people things and 
experiences experiences and yeah everything's through the lens of my my first grief it's like maybe it's like with people's first love has that your first grief and like maybe whatever that is you know really does shape your interpretation of any other grief um or even like weird analogy but like your first job like i spoke to someone recently who had come to work in the same place as me and she was so excited about things that I'd never considered being excited about. She was like, oh, in my old workplace, this never happened. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, yeah. Her, that her first job was so, um, what's the word? Where you really Impre- imprints on you. Impression- impressionable. Yeah. That, um, that everything is, is seen through the lens of that, even though it's a completely different job. Yeah. Same, exactly the same with you. Yeah. Every emotion that you feel is coming through the prism of experience i guess it's just like relative like everything in life is relative to what you've experienced or done and so yeah and i think i forget that with grief so next uh, wednesday on the 15th is the anniversary it'll be six years since mum died and I've not had a chance to think about it. Yeah. I see to Max and Melka have almost robbed me of, of that processing time and not robbed me in, you know, in a bad, but it's just, I've been so distracted and it's weird. Cause, and it was kind of weird. Cause I was like, when I think about my grief for mum, it's kind of always bobbing along and it's there and I'm thinking about her. And then suddenly when, you know, something else is happening at home and there's this like, you know, big thing where the two do- family dogs are dying within three weeks of each other. That's my focus. So then I haven't really thought about mum and then I'm itching to just, you know, have, have had my natural grieving rituals or routines or thoughts or the ways that I manage it normally so I feel like I've got a backlog of that (laughs) and do forgive me for saying this but some people might say that's great that actually you've 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 marked and I know you take the day off and everything but you've always worked up to the 15th every year for the past six years to have a year where your mind's elsewhere Mm. I'm not suggesting that you want lots of horrible distractions in your life (laughs) It's not, but like, actually, it might be quite good that you haven't had time to process it until now or next Tuesday, sorry, Wednesday, when you'll have your day of looking after yourself and self-care and spa day or whatever you're doing. But, and then you can have all the feelings then. I think mm. some people might say, great, you don't need a week, two weeks, a month building up to that yeah. horrible 15th where all you can think about is the yeah. overarching grief, like brilliant. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that for me, the, the building up to it, it's because the 15th for me is actually a fun, I make it a really lovely day. Yeah. So I take, so, so it's actually, I find the 16th is the emotional hangover day mm. where like the the 15th I'll have like booked. So last year I had a facial, a manicure. I mean, this year I'm going to a spa and with a friend in the morning and you know, so I'm really looking forward to it. And it's like, cause that's my way of trying to make it not a bad day. Yeah. But then obviously then the next day, I remember last year, kind of having the best 15th ever, like had a nice dinner party in the evening, like had just such a lovely pampered day, you know, treated, I think each each year I spend more and more money on myself. It's like, you know, a great excuse to indulge. And then I remember waking up on the 16th and just feeling so awful. And I was, so I just literally prolonged it a day. But yeah. see, my point being that like, so the 15th is a day, yeah, that, that I'm I'm leading up to, but often I might want to, I, I always want to write something to publish on, on that day. Or I want to have thought about, you know, the first year after mom died, I made a video 
of, I, of against the backing of the song I sang at her funeral with just photos of her throughout the years. And then every year since I've always written something and published it on that day. And I just haven't had a chance to think. Like I had an idea of what I wanted to do and I still want to do it, but I've yeah. had all these other things going on. And it's frustrating me because I'm like, I want to honor that day as I would do normally. I want to have spent the time and, and you know, really, so the way I mark up to it isn't that I'm, you know, getting really emotional. It's more I go, okay, I'm spending this morning writing in a cafe because I want to get it ready for the 15th. It's like a deadline every yeah. year. And I've got something written about Max and I'm like, can I publish about my dog? On the, on the, on the, I think maybe you can. I could. For all the reasons yeah. that we've just discussed. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, I, so I was like, you know, I have this written, it kind of taps into some lovely family memories from years ago. And I might actually end up and I still want to write something and I might be a bit delayed for, you know, obvious reasons. Um, but but the downside also being, and I, I, I think looking back, I the week before so the week before my mum died was just yes the most was the most stressful yeah. and we go into it in the family episode week of my life and I think I found in previous years it's the days leading up to the 15th that are hard so I feel like what's happening now is I'm I'm in this weird state I feel like I'm in a weird survival mode at the moment because I just had so many things worrying and going on that already it'd be hard but I haven't I'm not I haven't got my reserves to deal with that or lean into it or tap into how I'm feeling. So I'm always like, you know, like ducks in the water when they're just like paddling furiously. And so I noticed on the, what day, on Tuesday, I think I was, I'd been at home all day and Henry had been at work and was getting back a bit late. And I thought I wasn't in a funny mood, but then he like came through the door and he just was pissing me off. Like without doing anything, like he he was eating his dinner and I just was getting annoyed about the sound of his feeding, the annoyed at the sound of him talking. I just, you know, you know that feeling. And I was, and now I know, you know, at the time you're looking back, it's like, that's not a rational response to anything. Yeah. But I was so irritable. And then I said to him, I was like, I'm really sorry, Henry, I'm going to have to turn the telly on. Like I'm, I'm finding you really irritating. And so I turned the telly on and then I just am like in this thing of like, I'm either wanting to just get angry or cry. And in the end, I just had the most massive cry ever. And I think that's what happens. And luckily Henry's very understanding to it that sometimes before a big release of emotion, I'm just ready to like, I don't even know the feeling. It's like pent up frustration. I'm Even pen- if it's emotional frustration, it's still frustration. Yeah. So I was just, and then I, and then I had this really big cry because I think, and it was really lovely and Henry's very good at just like sitting next to me and and it all made sense and then I just suddenly come down from that and I'm like I'm sorry I was being so irritable and I, I just needed to let this out and I and then I had the cry and I think I suddenly dawned on me that I think it was like the the beginning that day you know six years ago had just been the beginning of the end really yeah and I and I was having this big cry just about you know everything um and so I think what yeah what's happened is while it's been a distraction I think I feel really just unprepared and on and in a way you know the anniversary is something that it's a way of honoring my mum or the days leading up to it it's kind of this time that's so painful and it, it, there's so much I mean we're going to loads of just you know time passing is a horrible thing to consider and it's yeah. sickening but it's almost my time of the year that my mum is at the forefront and I and I have that chance to lean into things. So I feel like I've just not had that opportunity in the way I wanted to. It's kind of rushed up. It's almost like you're just like, wait, what? I wanted to be more ready. I wanted to have thought about this or have done other things. And I just have been in this big whirlwind and I'm kind of waiting for a crash. I'm like, I need to, I'm in, you know, you know, when you're just running off adrenaline and, and, yeah. and, and nervous energy and just, and I, and I, I'm like, when is that going to happen? And I don't want it to happen. I, it's like, the you know, when I talk about like being a, sometimes you can't always control you can't control grief or when you're going to cry 
but there's ways sometimes you can try and do a few things to alleviate that and i've just not been able to do those things so maybe I'm, there's that nervousness of what's gonna <laughs> what what's am i gonna, gonna be like when you do have the opportunity to stop that's, yeah that's yeah the fear. yeah exactly so anyway sorry well, i think even what i'm this i don't know what this episode is but dogs 15th christmas <laughs> it's just everything but yeah i feel that january going back to the initial question mm has just been a very muddled intense full-on emotional um month with a lot of emotional hangovers i really like that phrase um and i know i'm in big need of some just quiet time and the ways i've tried to do that is that even this weekend i think we've got some social plan on saturday evening but i've made no plans in the day on saturday and no plans in the day on sunday Great. so i can just I mean, we went, We might walk to a cafe and get like a croissant or something, but I just, I'm like wanting to reclaim some time and just, yeah. I've been having lots of baths as well. That's been really helpful. It's just like a little temporary plaster. I'll like light some candles and I'll just lie in the bath and just feel like, okay. Or like, you know, just like yeah. warm. <laughs> um, My January was great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> How's your, any pets die? Any <laughs> I've got, any, I've got these two. Oh, you've got your um, tour choices. Um, and it's nice, actually, because next week after, you have your brilliant Wednesday, <laughs> then your terrible Thursday, then Friday, we're going on holiday. <laughs> to Cheltenham? Ch- Cheltenham, yeah. Cheltenham. I saw yeah. an advert. Was there a horse race going on there at some point? It was on the tube. We're not going there. Cheltenham races, you yeah. mean? It, what is, yeah, is that yeah. horse races? It's, oh. it's quite a big thing. Oh, is <laughs> Oh, it shows the advertising on the tube works because yeah. I just walk, walk past that on the way here. We're not um, going there, though. We're not going there. Um, I mean, we're going to wrap up, but I think that when you just said it then, you were like, I don't know what this episode is. Is it about dogs or the next Wednesday, which is the 15th, because mm. we won't release this today. I think it is just about January. Mm. I think, and this is not me undermining anything you've just said, but I think... A lot of people I spoke to who are our age this year felt like January was really hard and didn't have any of that going on. And th- and I think it's such a scary month for so many reasons. And people set their expectations of what's going to happen so high and what they can put on themselves so high. And then you've just gone, and I know it started on Christmas Eve, but mm. let's call it January. Like, hang on a second. So many dominoes fell in the wrong order and you're just like, oh my word, what do I do? And... I think that's what you've because we've had a few text conversations mm. and I've kind of oh, it's gone a bit quiet and then suddenly <laughs> it's like oh this is all happened this is all happened this is all happened and I'm like there's so much going on around your head and um and as ever it always just comes back to everything you've been through yeah but also that's really well yeah that's a really nice way of wording and actually something that I need to remind myself as well because I think I can forget the things that would normally be you know uh, making January a bit of a flat month and a bit sad and so then I, you know, it's just you're like, what is causing what? That already maybe the undertone was going to be like that. And I think there's been definitely part of my big whirring head has been just January is a month anyway. And that, you know, uncertainties for the rest of the year. But it, that's been on like the hierarchy and that's been at the bottom level. There's been other things. So I just, yeah. And then you're just a whole head to scramble. But it's nice to remember that and just to remind, you know, remind myself as well. And, and to go like, I think yeah, sometimes I have to remind myself and be like, a lot has gone on and I'm allowed to be sad and I'm allowed to not be my best self. Like I've definitely not been as in contact with friends as much, not been as social. All my things I want to do, like writing, I've just been on hold. Like I'm almost just being only able to do the immediate thing that's in front of me. And I'm kind of looking forward to after next week to getting back into things. And I feel like almost the analogy of like, you know, when you jump in a pool and you're getting out of the pool again. Like, you know, 
being just I want I want like if not a fresh start but just to be able to get back into things and my routines and stuff because it's all been thrown apart but I have to remind myself that uh, that's okay that I'm feeling this way and that I not berate myself for not having done x y and z and just be like actually a lot has happened um it's like when my therapist used to cry when I tell her what was happening because I needed that reminder that it's all sad yeah that's your cue to start crying <laughs> that's your cue to start paying me 